0: Around the Middle East, there are construction projects, much like anywhere in the world. However, when you begin to pay attention, many homes appear under construction, except nothing's happening. The first floors are complete with people living in them, while rebar is sticking out the tops, awaiting another story to be added.
1: Shalom. Welcome to Bridges to the Bible. I'm Brian Johnson. And
0: I'm Marcia Johnson. So why would they live in partially constructed homes? What are they thinking? So when a couple builds a home, they're planning ahead for when their children have children and they get married and want to start building above them. Now in the ancient times as the families grew they kept growing outward on the ground level but now with modern society they go up instead. This is part
1: four in a series on the communal nature of biblical culture. Visit BridgesToTheBible.com where you can download the episode guide which includes notes to follow along, discussion questions, and more. In the previous sessions we looked at the
0: concept of honor-shame culture and names and naming today we're going to talk about the concept of the father's house and how this fits into the building blocks of biblical society and how the bible actually uses this imagery to describe our relationship with the lord
1: so we talk about the family as the basic building block of society and similarly for them they would say that but they, what they would call the basic building block is the Beit Av. So what is a Beit Av? Beit Av is Hebrew for house of the father. But think of it
0: more as a household than a house. So you mean it's the people that live in a house?
1: Yes, but it's more than that. Think of it more as a family compound. Now for us, when you picture a house who's living there. You've got the parents and their kids, and maybe you've got the grandparents as well. But for them, Abedav has a patriarch as the head of it,
0: and the house is identified by him. Yeah, it's always kind of bugged me, this idea of patriarchal society. It's so male-dominated. You know, like I think of a passage in the book of Judges, chapter 13, it talks about Manoah and his wife over and over, Manoah and his wife, Manoah and his wife. It never gives her name. That's true. But think about our culture. Uh, when you got
1: married, you changed your last name. You took on dad's name. And then you'll get like stuff in the mail where it'll say Mr. and Mrs. David Johnson. And you're just referred to by his name. Or it just could say Mrs. David Johnson.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. So our society still has some remnants of this patriarchal culture. It has been changing some, though, in the last generation or two. So how was their bait of different than our households? Well, a Batov would be multi-generational. You're talking three generations,
1: perhaps four. So you've got the grandparents, where the patriarch is, chances are. And then you've got the sons and their wives, and then you've got their children, the grandchildren, and they're all living in one family compound. I mean, we're talking possibly 30 people.
0: That's a lot of people.
1: <laughs> and think about then, as uh, people are getting married, you've, what will happen is a daughter will then come in from another Beitav and join this Beit so the, the girls are the ones that are moving, changing
0: their identity. And then the Beidav grows as children are born into it. Or they could also adopt. And we usually think about adopting children, but in the ancient world, they also adopted adults, particularly if they needed an heir. So a famous example is Julius Caesar adopted Octavian as his heir and we know him um, later as Caesar Augustus. Right.
1: You know, we should talk about you know, these, these family dynamics and in marriage in more, de- in more detail, but let's save that for next time. And I just want to focus in on the bait of itself and the dynamics just around that.
0: Uh, think about where have you seen or heard the term father's house in the Bible? That's actually a phrase that's used many, many times. So here's just one example. So you remember how Joseph was kidnapped and taken to Egypt. And then later his brothers show up wanting to buy grain and he reveals who he is to them. And then he tells them to go back and bring their father and their whole household to Egypt. And so picking this up in Genesis 50, so Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. That's a good example.
1: Uh, Think about, though, as the Beit Av continues to grow and expand, uh, there gets a point when it's gotten too big, and therefore it needs to
0: split. So an example of that could be with Lot and Abraham. So Lot followed Abraham as they went to the promised land, and then later on, Abraham says, you know, there's just not enough land now for all of our people and all of our flocks. So he invited Lot to split off and form his own Beit Av. So what if you wanted to just split off and go on your own?
1: Uh, that's not really a good idea. I mean, a, a Beit Av is an economically self-sufficient unit. To be on your own just isn't a smart choice. And then in that communal-based society it would be unthinkable to
0: go and you know, get your own apartment and live, on your, live by yourself. All right, so you've got a bunch of these Beethoven's, people living together in these large extended families. So that's basically the structure of biblical society? Not exactly. We're going to need some more blocks for this.
1: So you know, imagine you've got a bunch of well a few Beethoven's anyways. And this grouping of Beit forms a clan. They're going to have some common stories, background, common rivalries. Uh, But then this is a good place as you're looking out for a spouse to find a spouse
0: among your second or third cousins because you share some common values. All right. I can think of a couple of biblical examples of clans. So I'm thinking again of of, of Abraham, and he had left his Beit Av to go to Canaan. And then he has a son, Isaac. Well, he needs to arrange for him to have a wife. And he sends his servant then back up to the clan in Haran for his brother's descendants to find a wife there. And then next generation, Isaac's son, Jacob, he also goes north to this family clan, and he marries Leah and Rachel, his first cousins. All right, so we have these Beit Ovs, and then together the broader family connections of a clan. We done?
1: No, we're gonna need quite a few more blocks to understand this. So here's a clan, and so imagine that there are more Beit you know, around and so there, and then we've got some over here, like that. Now imagine a whole bunch of clans working together. That is going to form a village. Now a village is set up around some common resources. Uh, What sort of resources can you think of
0: Well, like you could share a wine press, you could share a threshing floor, but probably most importantly, they have to have a water source. So that could be a well, or it could be a spring. Right. Or for
1: instance, you think about like New Testament times, they would have a synagogue. Uh, Now around the village, you have the land that's cultivated. Kind of like Little House on the Prairie. Just like that, only not at all. You see, Little House in the Prairie, you've got the family home on the land, and then your nearest neighbor is, you know, a half mile, mile down the road. For them, they are living in the village together, and the land is around them. Now, remember, land for them is much smaller than you would picture for a farm today or even in Little House in the Prairie because they don't have modern machinery to work it. And the land is really a part of the family. It's something that's passed on from generation to generation.
0: Yeah, I can think about how groups of people from a same area immigrated to the United States. So like people from the Netherlands left and formed the village of Holland, Michigan. Right. Okay, so we have the Beidops. We have the clans. We have the villages. Are we done? Uh, not exactly,
1: we're going to need some more blocks still. So you've got now multiple villages. Now, if you have other villages that are in the same, you know, kind of sub region. So you maybe have a valley that's in common that people are trading and maybe a clan isn't just all in one village. They're in, you know, a, in a couple villages that are you know, nearby, for instance. Um, So now you've got kind of this dynamic going. Uh, But more than that, you've got, as you continue to expand out, a bunch of villages then form a tribe.
0: All right. I'm familiar with that term. Think about the 12 tribes of Israel named after the 12 sons of Jacob. After the Israelites crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, each tribe was given a section of tribal land. Except for the Levites, because they were in charge of the temple. They didn't need land. Right. Now,
1: think about this, though. Israel was not unique in having tribes. Every nation had tribes. For instance, Jacob's brother Esau had 12 sons also, and they
0: formed 12 tribes. All right. So, like, tribal identity in the Older Testament, I can see, was really important. But... In the Newer Testament, not so because they're no longer living in tribal areas. That's true. That the
1: exile really did upset that. The you know the people who left their and their descendants didn't come back to the same land, uh, so they're not on that ancestral land. However, they're still remembering their tribe that they're a part of. Uh, for instance, we see in Luke chapter two, we meet a woman named Anna who says is from the tribe of Asher. Or the Apostle Paul says that he's from the tribe of Benjamin. And when we're talking 1,500, 2,000 years later, that people are still remembering what ancestral line they're from. You know, if you even think down to today, uh, people don't generally know what tribe they're from if they're Jewish. But uh, they do remember the priestly line. Uh, because of the, the link with the temple and worship. In fact, if you've got someone with the name Kohen, Kohen is actually a Hebrew word for priest. So there's a decent chance someone that's named that is actually from the priestly line. And even actually using the word Jew, Jew actually is derived from the term Judah, the name of the dominant tribe after the exile.
0: Yeah. I don't usually think about tribes today, except thinking, you know, missionaries going to tribes around the world. Um, but thinking about it, I guess that's because they were communal cultures like in the Bible.
1: Right. And when you've got a bunch of tribes together, that forms the nation.
0: Okay. So we have all these Beit Ovs. we have the clans, we have the villages, We have the tribes, and we have the nation. Exactly. But it all centers their own debate of. I can think of one verse that a lot of these terms are used. In Joshua 7, uh, the Israelites have crossed over into the promised land. They've conquered Jericho, and God tells Joshua they have sinned, and they have to figure out who has done it so picking up in verse 14 in the morning therefore you shall be brought near by your tribes and the tribe that the lord takes by lot shall come near by clans and the clan that the lord takes shall come near by households and the household that the lord takes shall come near man by man all right so ancient peoples, including the Israelites, had this complicated, nested society. But you know, what does this matter to us? To hold
1: that question for just a bit, I need to explain a little bit more. And as we focus back in on the Beit of itself. Now think about, so the Beit of is headed up by the patriarch. He is responsible for the Beit of, for its safety, for its protection, for its prosperity. So if something happens to somebody in there, maybe something, you know, some bad circumstance, a bad choice, the bait of
0: is his safety net. So I think of another example with Abraham. Um, His nephew Lot was living in Sodom and there was a raid and they captured him and his possessions. And Abraham pursues Lot really far distance. Gets him back and his possessions, rescuing him.
1: Right. And even though Abram had, Abraham had divided his possessions with Lot and separated off, he's still viewing himself as
0: the patriarch that he's going to protect and take care of Lot. But what if you're not part of a av? Does that mean you don't have any protection? Yeah, that's
1: basically what it means. And to be outside of a av is to put yourself at risk. Uh, think about when the Bible talks about widows and orphans who aren't attached to a Beit Av, when the males of the family have died or been killed in battle or something. Uh, they are in dire straits generally because they have no one to look out for them. They've lost their safety net. Uh, this is what
0: the book of Ruth is about. So you would want to find a way to join a Beit Av like she did. Exactly. And then the New Testament
1: uses this imagery to describe us, how we were far from God. In other words, that we were outside of God's bait of and in dire straits without hope. Uh, For instance, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers in the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ.
0: So then there was this really big debate in the early church. What do you do with Gentiles who have accepted Jesus? Um, The covenants had been made with Israel. God had chosen Israel. so. They were debating about, do we need to have all these Gentiles formally convert to Judaism? So in Acts 15, we see a record of the debate and then the decision, which is given by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And so um, let's look at part of that decision starting in verse 14. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles. To take from them a people for his name and with this the words of the prophets agree just it is written now he's quoting Amos the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all of the Gentiles who are called by my name so You know, we've been talking about how the people within a Beit Av were identified by that patriarch and took on his name. And so now in the same way, Gentiles are called by God's name. They're brought into his Beit
1: Av. And this is why the Bible says we can call God our father. He's our father, our patriarch, that we've been brought into the Beit Av. We've been adopted into his family. The apostle Paul uses this imagery in Ephesians one it says in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ
0: wow understanding this concept of the bait Av, you know it, it's this imagery the Bible is using about us becoming part of the household or the family of God and Him being our loving father, our patriarch.
1: And we're called by his name Uh, we, we carry his name. We represent him. And by the way we act, we either bring honor or shame to his bait of, and you know, we're under his authority, but also under his protection as well. You know, we're part of the family of God. So we call each other brother and sister. Uh, We've been adopted through Messiah into this family. God is our father, our patriarch. And he's also the king of all the nations. Continue the conversation at BridgesOfTheBible.com. You can go to the discussion questions to discuss more about this subject. Uh, Coming up next time. We're going to look at issues around family and marriage in the beta. Until next time.
0: Shalom. Shalom.